Welcome to the Read This, Watch That podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Dale. How are you this fine, fine afternoon? Uh, It's a fine, fine afternoon. It's absolutely beautiful outside, and I'm in here inside speaking with you. Well, I've been outside, and I plan on going out again once we're done, so. Yeah, I I hope to as well. It's business. Just, you know, we got to take care of business. That we do. Um. Today we're we got a twofer, a twofer. Yes, yes, yes. We are we are we are the value podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We certainly are. You get what you pay. <laughs> we are going to continue with our made-for-TV uh, movie masochism, uh, but we're going to throw in another another movie that got a theatrical release. So we have the made-for-TV. 1977, The Snow Beast. The 1977, The Car, which was a universe that received a theatrical release. Yes. Yes. So, uh, the reason... So, uh, I had never seen The Car. You had never seen The Snow Beast. You, You watched The Snow Beast. Then you called me saying, hey, maybe we should talk about these two together. And I, I was hesitant. I thought there may be enough to talk about, the, you know, the Snow Beast in one episode. Uh, then I watched the, And I decided that you were correct <laughs> the first time, even though you had not seen the car in quite a while. No. Because we're going to be talking about the same movie, basically. I am going to I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to just tell you, I disagree with that. I have a, I have a, I have a take on this good. that we we good. will we will explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Then then we can have we can have a, a a conversation about that. I don't mean it literally. There are a couple things that are missing from the car, and then we'll save the inevitable Jaws conversation for the end. How about that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And so I think right. that that's where I and that, and interestingly enough, that's where. I, I think I want to. I want to comment. Yeah, because I don't want to keep mentioning Jaws. All- no, <laughs> but um, yeah, we certainly I, could. Uh, <laughs> we certainly could. <laughs> take on that as well. That that might surprise you a little bit. Anyways, so I had never seen the car. You had never seen the Snow Beast. Give me your first impressions uh, of the Snow Beast and and then the car. So my first impression of, well, my first impression of the Snow Beast is when I watched it because this is this for this podcast because I had not seen it before, and I had um, kind of two impressions. One is that it is really bad. I'm going to say that up front. Uh, it it really does not have that many redeeming features to it, in my opinion. Um, but it also is so 1970s. Yes, it, it just it just bleeds 1970s all the way through. It has wonderful nostalgia elements, including the uh, basic premise of this Sasquatch type critter, um, which is fantastic. Um, and it's you know predictable, bad. Generally speaking, bad special effects. Generally speaking poorly acted um 
just not in in my opinion anything that's that's uh you know there's no real reason to watch this movie I'll say. oh god ah <laughs> uh, all right i'm i'm turning this off right now uh, yeah you should um so the car Such an uncultured beast yeah tell me about the car yes. you you had actually yes. seen so this the car before. Yeah, I saw it as a kid. I don't remember exactly how. I don't think it was in the theater. I think I, I think I saw it on video. But when when I was a kid, though, you know, very still, you know, pretty young. So it had to be maybe 1980 at the earliest. I don't know. Whenever it came out on video, probably. Or maybe I saw it on television when it was in a rerun of some sort. I don't know. Or, you know, released. You know, they used to show movies on, on television. Or still do, I guess. Um. And I remember as a kid thinking it was good and exciting and a little bit scary. And the second time around, I was um, not surprisingly less impressed. (laughs) Um, But I do think it was definitely better than Snow Beast, which was (laughs) just god awful. But I'm not going to say it was a ton better. It had, I think, across the board, a better cast, um, you know, just better actors across the board. And I thought that the story, um, if not the script, was just a little bit more mature and nuanced. And I'll be happy to get into that whenever we want to. Um, yeah, just uh, your breaking up a little bit so if you can uh, you can hold your phone maybe oh, the I'm same sorry. distance without move no it, it may just be the connection um yeah so i had seen snow beast man when i was a kid loved it because it was a monster flick on tv i thought it was um uh you know as a kid i thought it was kind of a a, a neat monster flick i had no idea how I would say I think generous to say the acting is mediocre and that's and that's generous. Mm. Uh, but, you know, like a lot of that stuff, I now have a nostalgia for it. And uh, I think it's I don't know if I mean, oh God, I don't know whether it's better or not than the car. I, I watched the car for the first time. Uh, a couple nights ago, I thought it was very entertaining. And again, that that mid to later 70s kind of way. But I do I, I do like both these movies as almost cultural artifacts. And one of the things that strikes me is that, you know, the very 70s, a lot of dialogue doesn't have to have nonstop action they throw in uh, a little uh, kind of domestic drama in both in both um, in both films but one of the things that strikes me is these two films combined and and there may have been others one was released uh, let's see I think the car was shown on TV on April 20th 1977 that's, I mean, sorry, the Snow, Snow Beast. Yep, April 28th, 1977. Yep. The car came out on like May 12th yep. or something. 13th, Friday night. Friday the 13th, Nate. And about 12 days later, 
the entire world was about to change because Star Wars came out. Right. And the way movies were made, the way movies were seen, the idea of a, a summer blockbuster uh, was back, you know, after Jaws. And it just, it's so much change in for good and for bad but it just makes these i mean these are like you know the last vestiges of uh, movies that and they never really i mean of course you had a couple vestigial um movies coming out i'm sure but it was like it was all over after star wars even who was doing all those all those kind of um i don't know sci-fi and horror films just said after star wars i with the special effects and the scope and how it looked on the screen for the time was just, I can't, we got to do something else. I can't compete anymore. So this was it. This was kind of like the last gasp of this type of movie. And I, I, I find them both interesting uh, for those reasons. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a good observation and it's one that I, I generally agree with that, they are kind of, you know, I think in this period, you see those last vestiges of, you know, I'll call it, you know, B movies or C or D or <laughs> F movies, <laughs> depending on your perspective. But I, I don't think that you see these kinds, you don't see these kinds of movies really made all that much and getting mainstream release in the 80s and 90s. No, not unless, you know, I was thinking of the car, not unless it's a big name like Stephen King coming out with Christine. You're just right. not going to get too many possessed car movies. <laughs> but even, but I mean, Chris, but Christine was, uh, I'm sure, had a higher budget. And, oh, well, John Carpenter. Yeah, had a better cast. I mean, the whole, you know, the whole thing. I mean, it was, it was legit. And yeah, maybe Stephen King's name was the, the reason for it. I'm sure. I, I'm almost positive if yeah. that was by some some first time writer trying to like a possessed car. No thanks. Uh, synopsis is quite easy, I think, for both films. I'm going to do. Let's see. Bigfoot Yeti (parentheses car) and (parentheses) terrorizes <laughs> Colorado ski lodge backslash <laughs> small Utah town, comma killing many until the team steps stops the monster. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what a remarkable coincidence. <laughs> and that is the synopsis. Yes. And that's a it's it's a fairly thorough synopsis. <laughs> uh, so I got the cat. We can move on to the cast. I did not yep. write you can talk about who you want. Uh yep. the this must be maybe possibly another 70s made for TV or B movie type of thing. There are a ton of people in the cast that have character names, and I'm not sure they had a line. Yes. I, when I look at the cast for both, it's like, who was what? Who was that person? So I just jotted down the main ones. So in 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 uh, in the snow base, we have Bo Svensson as Gar. Seberg, um, Robert Logan, who was in a lot of those 60s and 70s films. I recognize them, but not by name. He's Tony Brill, the, the grandson of the ski lodge owner. Yvette Mimieu, uh, she's she was fairly well known. She's Bo's wife yes. in the film. Sylvia Sidney is Carrie Rill, the owner of the ski lodge. 
Clint Walker, kind of a mainstay of 50s and 60s westerns on both on television and the movies. With I gotta say, I'm a I'm a I'm a straight heterosexual man, but what a voice that guy has! Talk about dulcet a dulcet baritone voice, mm. and um, it just that kind of deep resonant voice. And then I jotted down two because I thought they were funny. Tom Babson, yes, is Buster Smith. He was on Cheers. He was the but guy. Was he was, really? Yeah. He he was a recurring character on Cheers, not on all the time, but you know, a couple times a year, or you know, four or five times a year. And he was always trying to pass the bar exam. He had gone to law school and was like seemed to have trouble passing the bar exam. And he was also like a was a college hockey coach. He was a college. He was a, I think he was a college women's hockey coach. Yeah, for like and, a long and, time and successful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I don't, I couldn't find this guy, Victor Raider Wexler, but he was the proctologist on Seinfeld who had the license plate ass man. Oh, really? But I, <laughs> don't, don't I know couldn't who he find was him. in the movie. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah no, yeah. no, because there's so many people. It was directed by Herb Wallerstein, written by Joe Stefano, who wrote Psycho. And uh, that's the cast I have for Snow Beast. I didn't list anybody else. If you have someone you want to add, feel free. No, no, those were the those were the main ones. Um, Yvette Mimu was well known. She um, the two things that um, interestingly enough that um, uh, no, no, not uh, was it Yvette Mimu who was oh, boy. <clears throat> Why did I not write this down? Shoot. I don't know. Maybe you, you bet, should. Yeah, I I have pencil. I have paper. Um, yeah, no, Yvette Mimieu was the one. She was in um, one of the first um, Time Machine movies. Yes, that's right. She she was in that nineteen early sixties Time Machine movie. Yep. Yes, that's right. Yes, and then she was also um, in the Black Hole, the Disney. Yes movie from yeah. the trying to probably take advantage of all the space stuff going on. Um, so some people may, you know, who have a particular, you know, bent um, may recognize her from those things, but she had a very long, um, very long career, television movies, um, yeah. you know, the whole, the whole thing. And um, uh, probably the biggest current name really, she was a legit, she had a legit IMB she was like sex kitten in the early 60s yes. and then did a whole bunch of stuff yeah and sylvia sydney um well, i have a whole thing on her yeah, yeah okay well, her. well we'll wait on that because again long long career long career long career in crazy kind of, long kind of everything <laughs> long long career including the... i noted by the way um super train yes oh it, it her yeah, her her career is so long and and you know, and therefore fairly interesting. Yeah, and I'll just just one other last quick point. People probably, if you know Bo Svensson, and it, it, it this day and age, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know Bo Svensson because he's not a household name anymore. I don't think, but he had a reign of. Um, 
I guess it was a fairly short period of time. But what was that movie? It was he where he was a uh, it was a Walking Tall. Yeah, he was where, in the sequels. Yeah, and I think he got kind of a, a you know a fair amount of fame um, that way. But a really really interesting guy. First Thanks, of all, and still with us. It still with us. Incredibly smart. You know, very well educated. Very smart. Um, and a really interesting guy. Um, Bo Svensson is, uh, is kind of something, and we probably don't have a whole lot of, you know, enough time to really go through how interesting all these people actually are, but really kind of really interesting guy. Huge, too, um, or at least seemingly. Yeah, it like seems eight like foot six. Yeah. 975. <laughs> I think he was a Yeti. I think he was, yeah. At least descended the, from it. For the car, I, I did the same thing. There's way too many people with, with, um, character yeah. names and i'm not sure they if they had a line it was like one word but you got james Brolin, and he's he's wade parent he's a deputy sheriff yep. kathleen lloyd is his girlfriend lauren she's a school teacher she is she was so ubiquitous in the late 70s yeah through the 80s as an she would have recurring characters on like the white shadow magnum pi you know for years she shot she was on i think she had a did a stint on hill street blues um just everywhere in tv everywhere and if you google her if you're our age or maybe a little bit younger a little bit older you'd recognize her immediately yep they two other big names ronnie cox is deputy lucas young young looking ronnie cox a couple years after deliverance yes john marley is sheriff everett peck he had a really, really long career, but let's face it, everyone's going to know him as Jack Waltz yep. from The Godfather. You get the hell out of here! <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Kim and Kylie Richards were, were Brolin's two daughters. Yes. <clears throat> the sisters, and Kim Richards like a, a staple of Disney movies. Yes, I know her from uh, from being a kid and and from Escape to Witch Mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that. That was probably her her big one. Yeah, and she went on to do stuff as an older yep as an older actress. And then the only only other person I jotted down was Eddie Little Sky, who was another deputy named Denson. But there's, I mean, there there's. So I got I, I got um. Um, R.G. Armstrong, who was yes. famous, had a nice long career. He was prune face in the 1990 Dick Tracy movie. Very familiar Selena. face. Yep. Um, Henry O'Brien, who you can find very little about, who was Chaz, the huh. um, Native American um, uh, or actual American, I guess, maybe a better way to put it, um, deputy, who was the his kind of, Brolin's kind of main Deputy besides Johnny uh, Ronnie Cox, um, uh, Geraldine Keems was the secretary in the um, uh, in the uh, in the office, uh, and then you had mentioned uh, Kim Richards. Oh, and uh, Elizabeth Thompson, who I found very little about, who was uh, Ronnie Cox's uh, spouse in the movie. Yes. Uh, spouse or girlfriend? Yeah, one or the other. I think yeah. spouse. I think she's listed with the same last name, at least in the cast listing that I got. Uh, it was 
it was directed by Elliot Silverstein, who also directed Cat Blue. Yeah. A Man Called Horse. Yeah. He two was, classics. He, I love those movies. He was David Cassidy's stepdad. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, um, Richard, Kim Richards, by the way, is Paris Hilton's aunt. <laughs> Just a random uh, fact I that I discovered. Read, that. <laughs> I think I read that somewhere. Let's move on to... Let's let's start out at least positive and move on to yeah the good points the good sure. points we found in both films which yeah. ironically are 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 fairly similar oh. <laughs> for me anyways okay go ahead uh, uh okay um I like the fact that I don't know where the car is supposed to take place in Utah I don't know where they filmed I, I looked for that but it looks like it looks like Utah it, it looks is- like the desert it looks like Utah. It is. And and the Snow Beast was filmed primarily at Crested Butte in Colorado. So I love the fact they did location shooting and didn't try to, you know, film it in the, you know, the, the mountains of Southern California. Yeah, great point. So I, I, I agree with you. I'm with you on that. I thought that was a huge positive. The, um, the concept of the Snow Beast uh, kind of semi-isolated ski lodge with all the care you know all the various characters you may have there i mean you have the you have the owner the owner's grandson you have all the people who are visiting for the the winter festival uh and then you have bo svensson show up he's a former olympic skier who's kind of down on his luck looking for work he's got a wife who no longer respects him he shows up so you got this kind of like almost um uh almost stationary love boat in the mountains type of possibilities mm. going on there. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Um, I like anything. I like a lot of stuff uh, set in a, in an interesting small town. And I think that the desert atmosphere of Utah makes, what was it? Um, uh, was it Santa Inez or something like that? Was Yeah. It, Santa was, Inez. Yeah. Yeah. I like the team that gets together in both, in both films, uh, the one team that, to stop the monster, yep. you know, you get the team that gets together. We have the the owner's grandson. We got the Olympic skier, the wife. We got the sheriff. And then the other, we have primarily the sheriff's deputy along with his girlfriend. And at the very end, the wife beater. Yeah. Which I, which was, well, I can talk about that in the negatives. I thought that was a weird. Yes. I thought that was a weird move that you may only see in the 70s. Um, I like the fact that the Snow Beast follows the classic monster in the house formula where the car does not do it so much. Um, I like the fact that both are kind of just basically campfire tale. Hmm. Those are all Very really simple. good points. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I like the fact that the leads do their own skiing. In Snowbeast, yeah. Uh, in yeah. the in Snowbeast, I thought that was neat. I like the we can maybe talk about it if you want. I like the cemetery scene mm-hmm. in the car. I thought that yeah. was interesting. And I like the fact that Sheriff Peck in the very beginning of the film, a drifter who's kind of just on his way through the area is is run over by the car. That's what the car does. The car just runs over people. And I, I kind of like the fact that Sheriff Peck is like, you know, a kid moving on through was 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 killed by a hit and run. I don't like it. 
not in my town. I don't like it at all. I kind of like the fact he was not, you know, you know, drifter. You can leave town now. Get out of town. He was actually kind of pissed off that this kid he didn't know who was just kind of wandering about was killed, and he he was yeah. he was very angry about that. Um, so those are basically some of the I thought the the positives. Yeah, uh, of both. I, I like both all, movies. Yeah, no, those are those are all good points, and I and I think that, but I think that they are all largely also theoretical, right? I mean, there there are things you read on paper. Whether they did them well is another question, and I'm not sure in each instance they really did them well. But I think, but I agree with you. I mean, I I like those aspects of it. Certainly, well, shooting on location. Certainly, that's part of the problem: finding individual scenes that I really kind of yeah. like. Yeah. Are, are uh, you know yeah so the things that i liked i'm gonna keep this short because i agree with everything that you said but I'll, I'll just add a couple of things so one of the things i liked i liked in snow beast was not just the fact that it seemed like all of the leads did their own skiing but the ski stunts the people there were a couple of times when people fell were actually done fairly well you know, they, they filmed someone, you know, taking a spill on skis uh, and it looked overall pretty good. And I thought that they had, I thought they did that actually pretty well. I also liked the fact that um, they treated the, uh, up until a point, they, they treated the relationship between Bo Svensson and his wife, I thought fairly well. And then it got just a little bit, screwy but that you know kind of you know somewhat complicated dynamic and his history as a as an olympic medalist and then not being able to kind of transition from you know from that to back to the real world he had his five minutes of fame and then he couldn't figure things i thought they they kind of treated that fairly well so i i i appreciated that um and i think in the car uh there are a couple of things that I liked uh, about the car. One is that while there were lots of tropes it did adhere to, it also did not adhere to a bunch of tropes. Um, uh, you know, Brolin's girlfriend getting killed. Oh yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, um, I thought was a was an was an interesting aspect of that. I think also the I feel like. The Let lack, me... yeah, no, okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was just gonna say we can talk about it now if you want. Uh, six, so Brolin has a girlfriend, she's a school teacher. Um, she is part of the team that kind of knows what's going on, that, that there's no driver in this car, right? Um, so she's privy to that kind of weird bit of information. She's killed. And I feel like if this was five, six years later, she would have lived and there would have been a scene at the end with like them standing arm in arm with his two daughters running up and like, yeah, you know, hugging them and things like that. But it, 70s, man, they kill her off. They kill yeah. her off in a semi ridiculous scene, but they still kill her off. So I thought that was yeah. very, very of its I, I just don't think it would be that dark 
Yes. Even even five or six years later. So yeah. Thumbs up on that kind of daring, daring thing. Yeah, I like that. I liked also the um I, there are a couple of other things I liked. I liked the um the fact that there wasn't this kind of you know, and, and again for everybody, that the, the car is supernatural, right? It's it's the devil's car. And or some evil spirits car, right? I mean, it, it, that's the very clear implication. It is supernatural, yeah. There's no real, there's no, it, it kind of doesn't matter. I'll put it to you, put it that way. There's, it doesn't cause internal, oh, well, it can't be this, and therefore I'm going to go and do something stupid and get killed by the car, right? It's just this kind of weird mystery that, all the characters kind of struggle with, and it's never really, you know, there's no explanation. There's no, oh, I found the, you know, magic solution in this magic book I found, right? There's no, you know, oh, well, it's because, you know, 20 years ago, you know, Hot Rod Johnny got killed in a car crash here, and this is his ghost, right? There's none of that, right? It's simply, you know, some crazy, you know, uh, supernatural car that shows up and starts killing people. And that's a that's a positive for you. Yes. It oh, is. So so we can have a com- we can maybe have the conversation right now. That is a huge negative for me. Oh, interesting. OK, so I was interested. You said that. So I, I sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. Uh, I don't I don't need you know, I'm fine with ambiguity. I'm fine with some loose ends. But not in these types of movies. Okay, these are not nuanced, complex movies. So two, two things. Clearly you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I want a little bit more on the car, and I want a little bit more on the snow beast. I, I, it, it, again, if this was... You've seen too many yeah. Kolchak movies. If this is a... F- and I don't need something like, you know... 100% exposition that explains everything like a Scooby-Doo ending. <clears throat> Which Snow Beast was, was I think, um, if it's not a rip-off of Jaws, it's a rip-off of at least two Scooby-Doo episodes. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I'm, uh, be cold Scooby-Doo instead of be cool Scooby-Doo and <laughs> that's Snow Beast. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but in, in movies like this, two things. I would like to know why the Yeti showed up. Some yeah. some type of couple lines from the, the local I scientists the- that the, the said there was uh, they're building condos on the other side. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that was pushed some reason why it's pushed out of its feeding zone and into unless it's unless it's a Beowulf knockoff and it's just like Beowulf, the, the Grendel Grendel's. Uh, Grendel's son is just there. He's tired of the winter festival and wants to attack it. So the car, um, I would like just a little, a little more of a payoff. Yeah. When Ronnie That's... Cox f- kind of figures out that it, it won't go, it won't follow the running kids and teachers into the cemetery. I uh, left it there for a sec. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, this is what I, this is what I envision, is, it's nineteen seventy seven. This would be a trope, but it would at least tied together. 
it would have been cool. And, and now it's a trope, but it would have been cool if the sheriff in the snow beasts and the, um, the skiers, the, the owner, Bose fence and whoever go and see some old Arapaho dude who tells him, you know, this happened when he was a kid in uh, 1910 or something like that. And similarly with the car, there's a scene in the car where the um, what's his name? Chaz is interpreting for a Native American, an older woman. Yes. Yes. It would have been kind of cool if she said something. And he doesn't tell her, tell him the full translation, but that he knows that like in, you know, 1915, some Model T was doing the same or something like that. Um, yeah, I do, yeah, something like that. Again, I don't need it in a more sophisticated, but but it would have kind of tied this campfire tale together in a, in a much more fun way for me. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it being completely um, up in the air. Um, the, the snow beast, by the way, is of course you know it 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 is um, Bo Svensson's alter ego. Right, I think it's, it's a it's a, it's a metaphor for the environment. It's the environment. It's the, it's a metaphor for his environment, <laughs> which is um, why he's initially reluctant to just go out with the rifle and and help kill it. Yeah, because it's, it's a family member. It's him. Um. Yeah, but I kind of I I am more uh, I'm more concerned about that in the snow. You know, I have a, I'm I'm more sympathetic to your view in the snow beast than I am in the in the car. Um, and, and I'm not sure exactly why I, I will say, but in, in snow beast, it, I felt the same way that it would be kind of nice to get something because the snow beast, at least, you know, theoretically, right. Is a natural phenomenon, right? It's a Yeti. And I'm sure you have interesting things to say about that. Um, whereas the car is just, you know, the car from hell. Right. And so I, I, I think, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to that perspective with respect to snow beast than I am uh, the car. And, and it goes to another, another thing I like about the car is that the sheriff dies pretty quickly. Jack Waltz um, <laughs> gets, gets run over quickly out in the uh, street. Now you the... get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't no band leader. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I know that story. <laughs> Hey, why don't you tell me you with Corleone? <laughs> um, so he he gets killed off pretty quickly, and we're left. And Brolin doesn't know what to do. And of course, he doesn't know what to do. He never knows what to do, and even what they do at the end doesn't work. Yeah, and and so I I think all of those things I kind of like about that is that it has that kind of um. It has that kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of, you know, how how to describe it. It's that our heroes don't have an ace up their sleeve, right? They don't have a specific plan that they kind of know is going to work because they read about it in the mystical book, right? Or know enough about the legend. They're just playing it by ear. They're just trying to figure out how to stop it. And they don't have anything other than whatever two cents they can come what, come up with on their own. And I kind of I kind of like that about about. Don't that you book. think the the 
one of the key kind of features of the monster in the house formula is is a sin. Yeah, um, but yes, but you I get don't... that in Jaws. You get that in Alien. Okay, Can, you get this. Are we going to go there now, where we're going to talk about the the um, the conceptual forefathers of these movies? Well, it's just there's no so because a... here's the because here's the here's my here's my hot take by the way on the car and Snow Beast. I agree. I think it's more Scooby Doo than Jaws, but the car <laughs> I think is more the birds than Jaws. Birds. Uh, the maybe, Hitchcock movie, maybe yeah. because it's this kind of unknowable, just strange thing that happens, and everybody is just trying to react to it, respond right. to it, and and deal with it. But and, in the but in the in 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 the birds, there's not the hint of the supernatural that someone figures out. So no, uh, Ronnie the, Cox figures out that this is a demonic yes presence, but they don't. Nothing happens with that. I could says I think it should. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I got I I you and I are just gonna disagree on this point because I think it actually makes the movie a little bit more nuanced, a little bit better and, and a little bit more interesting. Possibly, or just lazy writing. It could be. But if it's <laughs> not, lazy not writing not, not not in the car. <laughs> No, no way! Not in the snow beast or the car. There was absolutely no, no lazy writing there. Yeah, but I do like the scenes, though. You're right. The um, sheriff Peck does relatively just a really good uh, scene of him being a very sympathetic to a domestic yes. violence victim. So we yes. kind of like him already. Yes, immediately. And he is, uh, it's an old high school friend of his, maybe an old high school flame. He's trying to get her to press charges against her shitbag husband, who's the local construction demolition guy. Yeah. And um, then he and he and Brolin are going to go for a drink. There's a commotion outside and poor Sheriff Peck gets gets uh, run down by the car. Yeah. And, I thought that the those and those sequences are decent. They're not yeah. great, but most of the kills in the car are actually done pretty well. Like the opening shot with the with the bicyclists, the the opening scenes. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were pretty good, and they were yeah, they're fine, and they're they were fine. creepy too. With from the shots from inside the car, with everything kind of oranged right out in the color, and the the outside sounds lower. Um, uh, you know, fairly, that was done, I thought, fairly well. I thought all of them were done fairly well. Some better than others, but I thought that I thought they were okay. They do both have opening kills. Yes, which, they both have opening kills. They both have opening kills. The opening that... kill in the Snow Beast was not, it was terrible. Is, I'll ask it right now, does this lodge only have one trail? Well, and, I was going to, I was going to say, <laughs> here's my question. A, it's a winter festival, but there's only like one or two people it's skiing like at any time. Sixteen people there, yeah, <laughs> and nobody ever takes a ski lift. They, it, I want to go ski at this place because they seem to ski just all day without ever taking. Oh, we're gonna ski. Well, let's go over here. And, oh no, no, no. Well, let's go back to the well, lodge. Well, let's well, go to this house over here. How the hell did they get there? <laughs> it's a freaking uh, 
They, they show that one trail over. Is this like a one trail? To, I also like it. They show the the lodge is filled outside. There's like skiers running around, but there's no one on the slopes. Yeah, yeah. Probably an insurance issue. Yeah. Um, way too much skiing in this movie, by the way. Um, well, I, mean, I think I, that's filler, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it, and I think a lot of it is just we need, we need a couple more. We need to get to an hour and a half or an hour, what, yeah. whatever two-hour slot is on TV with the commercials. So we'll just yeah. film film people skiing. They both have this weird, not weird, like the there's domestic drama in both. Yes. Abuse. Well, there's two uh, things. There, there's domestic abuse, and then there's Brolin trying to figure out how to get his girlfriend integrated into his family with his two daughters. Which is really kind of lame and, it is. And, and silly. The domestic violence thing is more interesting because in the, the third kill, the, the, the wanderer, the, the kid yes. that's kind of traveling on through, is on his property by the side of the road and this, this jerk-off uh, shoes him away. The car comes by. When you insult the car, you die. So this kid gave the car the bird because it didn't pick him up when it was hitchhiking. Right? He flipped him the middle yes. finger. Yes. And the car turned around and eventually ran over him back and forth four times. Just just obliterated him. But the kid's trying to stop uh, the, the husband from, from beating the wife. What I thought was interesting is that guy turns out real part of the team that ostensibly defeats the car at the end. It's just like, yeah. it's really hard to get on board with that guy. Like, I could see if it was a Dana's luck guy. Maybe he was, you know, successful at one point, but now he drinks. But this guy's like an unrepentant wife beater. And he's yeah. part of the team. It's like, maybe it goes to the 70s again, along with killing off the girlfriend. There you go. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe. It just made it the was team... A... Yeah, I mean, it was a really weird move in the movie yeah it was really strange i don't care what he does there's like no redeem he's just a piece of shit wife beater the romance the love triangle in the snow beast is even uh is i found it like it's heavy-handed the way they did it bo svensson shows up with his wife she's a successful up-and-coming reporter who who had done a story on on Bigfoot, so she knows a little bit about it about that type of thing. But then she has to, you get the sense there was um, some competition between Bo and the the owners, uh, the ski lodge owners' grandson at one time. But she picked yeah. Bo. He she was st- playing the field, and she was uh, yeah. yeah. Tony Tony still loves her. And she tells him <laughs> they're sitting at the table, and it, there's it's it's all exposition instead of maybe showing. It's like I don't respect my husband anymore. Yeah, I fan I have fantasies about you. I mean, they're like, yes, it was really yeah. Nothing's subtle. It's all it's 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 all tell. Don't don't sh- don't show. Just tell. Yes. It was really heavy handed and brutal. I don't yes. respect my. Is not man enough for me? It was like, Jesus, talk about shoehorning in some type of domestic strife. Yes, yeah, yeah. it was. It was kind of. It was. It was really strange. <laughs> it was. It was, it was heavy handed. It wasn't done well. But when they, 
Well, but it, after the exposition, it was done well, I thought. Going back to my earlier comment, the, the you know, the kind of the, he and his wife, maybe I'm over, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering, but. No, you could still, there's that, still a little tension between the three of them afterwards, but it's, yeah. it's, it's the tamped exp- down a bit. The exposition was terrible because it is, it's just them. Oh, well here, now I'm going to explain everything about, you know, this, but they took that and I thought that they, they did okay in the intervening scenes then it's between the three of them in terms of that tension being there. And I thought it got, it kind of resolved way too quickly and easily. Um, but I thought that they, they hung on to it. Okay. Have we moved on to the, our criticisms or we, yeah, uh, I think, I think we okay. kind of blend. I had a list of similarities, but we were kind of talking about those and blending into our criticisms. But the one, the, one of the things I just want to mention is yeah. they both use the monster point of view at times. Yes. Um, and they both do a scene where they're attacking a crowd in the snow beast. They do. They're going to crown the winter, I don't know, winter festival queen. Like, like the high school gym and the snow beast, yeah. much like um, Grendel attacks to attacking Hararot, um and King Rothgar. The snow beast, for some reason, attacks the gymnasium where there's a gazillion people. And in the car, he runs over various people. Most of them are kind of like uh, alone or there's only like maybe one other person there. But the marching band, the school marching band is gathered at what looks like almost like a fairgrounds. It has a track and it has a stands and everything like that. And he decides to go there after Josh Brolin tells Ronnie Cox to shut it down and get him out of there. Cox goes and his wife and a teacher, oh, we'll be careful. Can you do you stay, stand guard? And if anything happens, we'll just scurry for safety. But the car attacks and that's when the kids and the adults uh, who survive... Uh, there was like maybe what I saw like a two or three people got killed by the car. I think it was all point. the cowboys. All the cowboys got killed. all the cowboys. I looked at looked to me like or or the the yeah all the I cowboys. Think got one killed. cowboy may have trampled a kid, probably uh, with the horse. They all this old cemetery and the car won't go in the cemetery as much as um, it wants to. <laughs> it spins around, it does donuts, ah, and it so um, so they both have that scene where it's a, where the monsters attacking a large a large group of people. Yeah, yeah, we the, can go into the, criticism. Well, the car, by the way, not quite a character, but I'll I'll just note the car. Um, it was based on a 1971 Lincoln Continental Mark III. There were right. four four of them were used um, in the film, of course. Three of them were basically destroyed in the making of the film. Um, and then one they used for the close-up shots. Oh, well, I have one more thing I really liked about the car, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. But um, the cars were made by a shop that's still around in Los Angeles called Barris Customs, um, which also made the original um, Batmobile for the television series. <laughs> Also That's made, awesome. yeah, customized uh, Banachek's AMC AMX 
for um, you know that that George Papard um, uh, television series, and evidently this guy also customized all of John Wayne's station wagons, because evidently John Wayne didn't like the fact that he 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 had to put the seat way down to get in the car and he didn't have enough headspace. So he, he, on all of his station wagons, he had this, the, the roof actually go up a little bit higher um, so that he could get in a little bit easier to the, into the car. And that was uh same guy did that made these, uh, made these four, made these four cars. That's so yeah. no handles on the outside, no handles on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you had, Oh, other... and the other thing, yeah. The other thing I really liked, there was one scene in the car, that was really out of place, I thought, um, because it was so good. So this is when Brolin is getting ready to get his stuff together to go execute on the plan that they have. Yes. And he's in his he's at his house and he goes into his detached garage and he gathers up some stuff and he goes in the house and he says, get, go, you know, goodbye to his kids. And he goes back and he's about to leave. and He's oh, I forgot something. So he goes back in the garage and he kind of, you know, put stuff together and it's like an old barn more than it is a garage, I think. Yes. And he takes some stuff and he turns around and the car is there in the barn. Like it had been parked there the whole time. Right. No music, nothing. It was just, he turns around and and he has this, you know, shocked expression on his face and the car's right there. I thought that was a great moment. Just a really, really great moment. As long as, yeah, there's no, there's no stinger. Or yeah. anything like that he just starts but i have a question for you yeah can the car apparate and disapparate because it it yeah, leads you to believe it can it does <laughs> it's here's the In big particular, problem not that scene either there's another scene i forget i can't kind of forget where i think it's being chased or it's done being well, when chased it take, or... when it takes out the two other cop cars it does yes, this weird maybe then. sort of turn and roll and it crashes into them and then suddenly it's driving down the road yeah. still <laughs> in pristine does it, shape. <laughs> but does it, did it appear in the garage or drive in there? I don't. I don't know. Okay. Right. I don't know. It is a problem with the whole supernatural thing is that it, it does seem to have powers that it exercises sometimes, but not other times. Yeah, um, I didn't quite, I didn't. I got the impression it might be able to do that, but yeah. it's very unclear. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I thought that that one scene was really quite um, quite good. The um, oh, and and to be fair to the snow beast, by the way, another a scene in the snow beast that I think was quite good was actually in the opening kill scene, which was itself not good. But you may remember that she stopped. And she looks up into the trees, right? Because they hear something or something. And I had to go back and rewind it to make sure I saw it. But you see the snow beast peeking out from behind a tree and yes. then shifting back in. And the reason I liked it, when I went back and I rewatched it, I said, oh, yeah, there's a guy in a Sasquatch suit up there, um, painted white. But the reason I thought it was good is that it had that quality of kind of Sasquatch sighting videos, right? That that used to, that that seemed to show up every week back in the 70s. Right, right. It right. had that kind of cheesy sort of quality. Ah, so I ah. loved it. I saw that. I was like, oh, I lo- I'm going to love this movie. <laughs> it's going to be filled with yeah. all this kind of stuff. <laughs> could, be, could be real, but it could be so easy to fake. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So sorry. What is no, no, I was just going to, I've already gone through some of my negatives, but, but 
My big negative is not in like in the Snow Beast. The the dialogue is all right, um, but but Tony, the grandson of the owner, he's always yelling. Yes. Did you notice that? I yes. don't. Even when he doesn't need to be yelling, he's always yelling. But otherwise, the the most of the dialogues it's kind of standard. Yeah. Fairly uninspired. Fair. Yeah. The dialogue. There's a couple scenes in the car where the dialogue is atrocious. Oh I mean, my goodness! Yes. First and the two, <laughs> I just want to point out. There's a scene where where Lauren has slept over Brolin's house, and they're they're teasing one another in the morning about her yeah. leaving before the, and they're they're doing this banter and it's it's amazing and it's amazing it's <laughs> it's it you is and amazing I could, you and i could think of better banter right now <laughs> and the the other terrible dialogue is when lauren is in the cemetery yelling at the car and i wrote some of the why don't you get out of your big ugly car? Oh, that's that's hitting below the belt. Yeah. I want to see what a creep like you looks like. This is, as far as she knows, this is a guy. Yes, who has murdered people by hit yes. and run, and she's calling him a creep. Yes, and then she calls him a chicken. Yes, it's awful. I mean, yes, the Snow Beast dialogue is is standard, mediocre, uninspired. Those two scenes are just, just a just. Unforgivable, unforgivable. Evidently, actually, the banter between the two is the like. What are you guys talking about? Are you you're teasing one another? But I, oh god, it was terrible. Yeah, it was brutal. It it was there, and evidently, it was worse um, at at some point. (laughs) (laughs) They cut some scenes. They did, yes, evidently. Jesus. Yeah, which they reinserted for the television release, and so as a kid, I'm sure I saw even the the, the bad dialogue. But but that's um, like another. I mean, this is I say inexcusable because just the, the director or the writer just take an afternoon, yeah, and go over it, yeah, or just hire somebody, right? Just well, the the three pay guys someone for a day of work, yeah. But know? the three guys were professional writers; they'd done other things that yeah. uh, I, I didn't jot them down, but that you would have heard of that are like. Uh, competent, but those two, the, oh my god, yeah, yeah, just terrible, take, terrible, terrible, terrible. Grab terrible a, yeah, grab a beer, go sit on your on your patio, and just take an afternoon and and go over it. Yeah. So my my um my problems with the movie. So I'll start with the car. I've I've been saying good things about the car, but the the bad things about the car. Definitely the script is 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 outrageous. The inconsistencies into exactly what the car can and cannot do are a problem that you just kind of begin to pick up on. I mean, there are times that they, they, they kind of handle it well in the movie. Like when his girl, his, so his girlfriend gets killed because the car just drives through her house, but it also drives through her house. It like enters the house, like four feet above the ground. And they note this and they're kind of like, this is, and coincidentally, she, she happens to, um, conveniently have a road leading directly out of the back of her house evidently as well <laughs> so, I, it looks, uh, looks like a looks like a cul-de-sac but somehow there's a road in the backyard yeah, yeah. but uh but uh you I know mean, they, i like i like that scene from so a from a campy yeah it was great yeah but it's not camp that's the problem well I, maybe maybe not 
but you're, the, you're killing the main character's girlfriend. It's not really campy. It's more. Yeah, but, well, fair enough. Enough. but anyway, but they, they all just kind of say, this is crazy. How the hell did this happen? Right. So there's no kind of like, oh, well, you know, this car drove through the house. They they kind of all say, yeah, that's really weird what happened. So, I, you know, they, they kind of do that. You know, they respond to it. OK, Only Ronnie Cox, Ronnie Cox knows. Yeah. The the other thing about it is that the the there were just, you know, I, I said that this you know, it had a little bit more to it than, than Snow Beast. A little bit more to it, right? They didn't, they didn't kind of go where they could have gone with this. There were just so many things about this that were just kind of, oh, okay, you're going to do this trope. And, oh, you're going to do this trope badly, you know, kind of throughout that um, it was a little bit, it, it, it was more than a little bit uh, disappointing. Uh, and in Snow Beast, um, for what it was, it was okay in many ways, but I I just, I found the story so crazy at times that I just, I kind of was shaking my head saying to myself, I mean, they, they could have done, they could have gotten to the same places in so much more reasonable ways that I, it, it kind of left me really, really, you know, um, upset i was angry at the movie at a certain point it, yeah, it was, <laughs> I, was, I, I watched the movie angry <laughs> i got I done was, with it angry that's for sure i think the the sin is important in these movies and the perfect example the sin is like in 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 the snow beast is is greed they they try to cover up the yeah. fact that there might be a monster because the winter festival is going to be their big money maker and they got to keep the beaches open. Um, uh, it's missing in the car. And I'm thinking uh, one of my favorite kind of horror movies, campfire horror movies is the fog. Yeah. And, I love and, and, and the sin in that, even though the sin is not visited upon anyone in particular who's guilty of of it you know but it's yeah. it's kind of like the town it's it's that yeah. position and it's completely missing in the car and i also thought i i didn't because ronnie cox is correct it's a driverless car that won't enter hallowed ground their plan to bury it um have a drive into a canyon and have the dynamite kind of this, uh, which looked like, I looked like a hell of a lot of dynamite to me. Like, they're the, like, oh, I got another 10 boxes. To, I mean, to bury it seems to be a little bit like, can it, can it just disapparate from underneath the rubble, which I think it does. And then, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, but that's what makes this movie great, right? It's a, uh, it's an ending that allows for a sequel. It did allow for a sequel, and there was, right? About 48 years later with Ronnie Cox in it. Yes. And interestingly enough, speaking of Ronnie Cox, who's one of my favorite character actors of all time. He's terrific. terrific. Love that guy. Great corporate um, bad guy. Corporate bad guy, nice, innocent, pleasant guy. I mean, he and he was in everything. I found his blog post and ran a couple of interviews with him. Um, one of the things was that he was the he was he was money. He for a period of the seventies and eighties, he was in everything, and his movies 
were 49 on the list of 100 highest grossing movies, you know, actors in, in high school movies for a period of time as a character actor. Right. Um, he was in everything all the time. And just really, if, if you don't know him, listener, you would recognize him if you saw him, if you've seen anything, right. That last, that, that came out in the last 40 years. Um, but one of the things that he said um, about this movie is that that fire that fireball explosion. Yes. Um, so they were all up on a cliff. All the actors were up on a cliff, and there's this explosion, and they were standing, you know, twenty or so back from the cliff edge. And um, he said they were putting a ton of gasoline down there. <laughs> it was like a lot. They were kind of a little bit nervous about it, but they all kind of say it's going to blow up, and it's like 150 feet below us, and you know, we're standing 20 feet back from the ledge, so it's all going to blow up and it's going to go up. But evidently it blew up and all this fire came out. And instead of going just straight up, it kind of lipped over the over the edge of the cliff. Oh, wow. And they all had to go, everybody, film crew, actors, they all had to run to get away from the fire. <laughs> and evidently a bunch of the actors got 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 burned like, a little singed second degree burns and he said that if it, wow. if, it, if it had been lower if the fire had actually come lower you know when it reached over the cliff and had been more you know kind of head level with them he said yeah don't know if i'd be here talking to you about it so it was actually ended up being um um a very dangerous shoot at least that one scene well, I was doing, I was thinking also, let's see, some of the miscellaneous kind of things. Yeah. Um, Gar Seberg, the Bo Svensson character, was a gold winner at the 1968 Olympics. That was Grenoble. Mm. That was Jean-Claude Keeley's year. He won three golds. Oh, what do you think he, right. what do you think he meddled in? Which, you think it was downhill, slalom, I, giant slalom? What do you I got it. He's not, he does not have a skiers build. He, he's got. No. He's got a football player's build. He's got a he's got a Spartan warrior. He's tall <laughs> and he he's tall and he is wide. Yeah, he's a Viking guy. Um uh so I would say um Gar Seberg was a I think his 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 kind of pursuit as well. I think he's more of a giant slalom guy than a dad. I think he's a giant guy. slalom guy. Yeah. Keely won three the three golds. And he dined off that, yeah, until forever. this until this day, <laughs> yeah. And I just this guy can't. Seaberg <laughs> says, and Peggy Fleming was the big American star to the that, and she dined off that with with, yeah. um, you know, sponsored, yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And and Seaberg's like, I quit skiing because they're a bunch of mavericks. I'm like. It's a solitary sport, dude. What do you mean? They're of course they're a bunch of mavericks. They're going downhill yeah. at ninety miles an hour. No one can help them, and they they're ostensible. They're part of a team, but not really because they compete against each other. And he says he quit skiing because they're a bunch of ma mavericks. What was he in some relay? I just yeah, it's strange. It, it was it was very strange, and they couldn't parlay. Everyone parlayed their gold back, even a Wheaties box. Yeah, something. Um, let's see. Oh, I did want to mention just, I thought, I thought, um, I don't have much on the actors. I'll let others mention because I did the, um, just a little bit on Carrie Rill. She is the owner. She's the owner of the, um, 
the ski lodge in the snow yeah. beast. Yeah. And she would have been 67 years old. She was born in 1910. She was an extra in D.W. Griffith's 1926, The Sorrows of Satan. Wow. 1926. She played opposite people like Gary Cooper, Henry Fonda, Spencer Tracy, Frederick March. Her last few roles, she was in Beetlejuice. And her very last movie role, she was in Mars Attacks in 1996. Yes, I saw that. Her TV, I mean... My Three Sons, WKRP, Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I., by the way, Bo Svensson played a, a Soviet KGB agent in a two-part Magnum P.I. And then Kathleen Lloyd from The Car was a recurring character for about six years as the ADA and friend of Magnum. So there's a whole bunch of Magnum connections. And, and the, then I have something on. Did you read about Herb Wallerstein, the director? I did not. All right. I'll, I'll, and then you can talk about an actor or two if you have something you'd like to discuss. So Wallerstein died. He was a mostly a TV guy, uh, director. Died in 19, on September 27, 1985. Killed by his housekeeper with a baseball bat. Her boyfriend helped um, take him from the house. They put him in a car and set the car on fire. They went to uh, trial and the housekeeper and the boyfriend, or at least the housekeeper, um, she was found not guilty of the murder of Herb Wallerstein. There appeared to be um, apparently some some tension between Wallerstein and the housekeeper, which resulted in him being uh, beaten to death with a baseball bat. So I thought that was an interesting um, interesting uh, part of Mr. Wallerstein's life. And interesting, yes. yes. Disappointing. <laughs> little, <laughs> fairly unique. <laughs> um, fairly. So I don't have all that all that much. I mean, I could talk a lot about Bo Svensson. I mean, really interesting guy. Um, and, you know, very active. And, um, uh, yeah, just just an interesting guy. But But we do need to do our family values portion of the of the oh, show and I've, and I've done this uh, I've done this actually I think quite cleverly here we'll do them separately so Snow Beast we re- I have I think it's primarily the people you mentioned of y- Yvette Mimu, Bo Svensson Robert Logan Clint Walker Sylvia Sidney and Thomas Babson those are the six people I got okay how many spouses how many divorces uh, I'm going to say 14 spouses and eight divorces. Wow. You are very close. 13 oh. and seven. Okay. So the, um, <laughs> the big winners here are there, there are three of them who have all been married three times. Yvette Mimou, Clint Walker, and Sylvia Sidney. Um, Sylvia both... Sidney. She, she lived like a thousand years. So yeah, she married everyone for like 25 years. Yeah, probably. Um, Interestingly, Bo Svensson married once and still married, I believe, to the to the same person. Um, okay, the car. I've got uh, James Brolin, Kathleen Lloyd, John Marley, um, Ronnie Cox, Elizabeth Thompson, R.G. Armstrong, Henry O'Brien, Geraldine Keems, and Kim Richards. Just because, you know, she's Isn't Kim Richards. People would recognize. Yeah, people would recognize yeah. her. So nine people. I'm going to say, boy, I, I have no clue, but I will say this. 
I could be completely wrong. I have a feeling that that uh, what do I have a feeling that John Marley was married like nine times. I'm going to say uh, 18 marriages and nine divorces. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, so the six from Snow Beast, 13 spouses, seven divorces. The nine from the car, 13 spouses and eight divorces. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So now there are a couple of people here I don't know the answer to. So um, Elizabeth Thompson, who played Ronnie Cox's spouse or or girlfriend, acted for a while, and I can find nothing about her. Yeah, she's just. I think she's just one of those people showed up in some episodes of TV. Yeah, just kind of there and gone. And Henry O'Brien, who played Chaz, the Native American, found out very little about. but is a Korean uh, war vet. He was in the Marine. He was in the Navy and then joined the Marines, actually, um, and retired back to, I think, I think it was Minnesota, where he, he lived for many years. Um, and then Geraldine Ke- Keems, I couldn't find anything else, couldn't find anything about. But uh, Brolin's married three times, um, probably most famously to Barbara Streisand. Um, R.G. Armstrong also married uh, three times. So... Uh, yeah, not a bad, uh, you know, it sounds about right. You know, most people in there. Yeah, it sounds almost like a 50% divorce, right? Yeah, right. kind of. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing kind of throughout um, these things as a, as a general matter. Yeah. I have but, one uh, more person. Bo Svensson, oh, yeah. just, Bo Svensson, just a quick, just a quick thing. Interesting. He was a PhD candidate in metaphysics at UCLA. <laughs> oh, how hard is that? Yeah, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> immigrant from Sweden, uh, became yes. a United U.S. citizen, served in in the Marines, I believe. Right. Yep. Um, and the one guy I like to mention, there's a um, he's got a name in the car. I don't know if he's got any lines. I think he was a one because that town had like nine deputies. About five yes. of them got killed, but they seemed like they they yes. had a lot of deputies for you know a town yep. of like nine people. One of the deputies, and it, he had a name. His le- his name was Dalton. I'm not sure he had any words. His name is Ernie Orsati, and he was a stuntman mostly, but did some acting as well. He was one of Hollywood's big stuntmen. Uh, he is the guy who falls through the. Uh, the um, that window kind of that what what would you call it that sun window on the when it when it capsizes yes (laughs) that's his famous thing so he was a well known stunt man who did some acting he's from a Hollywood royalty kind of family his uncle started the Orsati a talent agency and remained like one of the top three or four talent agencies in Hollywood for decades. His mother was Inez Gorman, a opera singer, as well as an actress, a well-known opera singer, well-known actress. And his father was Ernie Orsetti, who was a center fielder and first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals in those gas house gang years where they went to the world series four times, you know, from from the, in the twenties. Yes, his wow. father was a 
feel for his baseman. Kind of a guy, maybe one year he plays 70 games, another year he'd play like 110. Uh, retired with a 306 lifetime batting average and a pretty good um, base percentage. Probably not as impressive uh, back then as it looks today, but he played for 10, maybe 12 years professional baseball so he's the son of an opera singer and a major leaguer which which is really kind of cool that's got to be rare all right so are you ready to move to the end of our discussion where we i have a list so wherever you look up these movies it's you get the jaws rip off um allegation it's a jaws rip off it's a jaws rip um i have a list Here's my list of the ways it's these are not Jaws ripoffs. Ready? Yeah. All right, I'm done. <laughs> so, um, there's only like really so many beats in these monster movies you can have. Yeah. You know, they follow a pattern. Mm-hmm. Now, the Snow Beast is the bigger. As much as I want to say it's not a Jaws ripoff, in a lot of ways it is, because not only does it follow the normal beats that a monster movie typically has to follow, it has the opening kill, it's got the cover up for financial reasons, it's got the attack in kind of the public... It's not the 4th of July, it's a snow fair. Yes. It's got the false... They got the attack on the beach... Yeah, they got yes. They, yes, they got that's the right. The the sheriff brings in a bear, even though he knows it's not the bear. That's the one difference. He knows it's not a bear, but he kind of like to calm people down. They kind of all think, oh, it was a bear doing all this, and they talk and about one cutting it open on the expedition. <laughs> yeah, and they talk about cutting it open. Yeah, and he says, yeah, and then the guy says, hey, we're not going to do some half-assed autopsy and have the Kidner kids spill out all over the slopes, right? Right. In front exactly. of everyone. And then one person dies on their on the final expedition to kill the beast. It yeah, not, and, the, and the Yeti and the, beats it. It, it doesn't destroy the it same des- place. It destroys their boat, too. <laughs> their, it destroys their, their boat. Their camper van. <laughs> yeah. So it really is. The, it it really Yeti, is just just it yeah. is Jaws on skis. <laughs> And, and the only good. thing, like, would have made it great is if once Bo Svensson skewered the snow beast with his his ski pole, is if they yanked yeah. off a mask. Charlie Wilson, the local, <laughs> the local real estate developer. <laughs> so it could be as well. I agree. Um, so that's my take on. As much as I want to be contrarian, um. And even though there's only so many ways you can do these types of things, they really not only do they follow, they are, you know, duplicating. It's okay to you know, there's the beats, right? The, the you know the the false victory, the dark night of the soul, the you know they yeah. come back and win, and all these things. Um, but boy, they really copy the way those beats were done in Jaws. To a greater extent than the car. The car does as well, but not quite because they miss a few beats. It's not quite the ripoff. Yeah. That but I will say this in all in in in, in fairness to both. Um Jaws was not 
Jaws came out in 75. It was not shown on TV until the end in 1979. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, I don't know. If I saw it, I'd probably forget some of the details and maybe yeah. they thought they could, you know, get away with it. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing, I, my personal view is that there's a, you know, uh, best way to make a good movie is to do what works. Yeah, right. but boy. Um, no, I know it, it's it's crazy, and I I agree with you, and I, and I think that the um, I think that I again I think that the car is a little bit more like the birds than it is Jaws. Um, there are definitely yeah, differences, I mean, and there's definitely, but but I think that just the, the you know you don't have the you know put upon police chief, you don't have people saying, well, we can't because you know it's you know we got to fight the city because the city wants the money. We don't have you know, all of those, you know, all of those points, you have just something very different. And I think, as I said before, it's just these people who are trying to react to something they don't understand um, that uh, makes it a little bit to me, if I was going to, you know, point to a conceptual grandparent, it would be the birds as opposed to Jaws. Interesting. There was, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's less a Jaws ripoff than the snow beast, but yeah. In the end, you know, even even to the extent with the music and kind of the following, uh, just yeah, the birds is is it birds is interesting because there's no explanation, there's no explanation. Um, that probably more intentional on Hitchcock's part than the car. Um, <laughs> Are you suggesting? I wonder, Hitchcock was a better filmmaker than Elliot Silverstein. The cutting room floor for the car. So here's okay. So here's the last thing uh, I really have on all this funness. There seems to have been. It's a Yeti in the Snow Beast, right? But I mean, it's a Bigfoot. Bigfoot Yeti. You're talking about these big bipedal creatures um, of of myth and, and folklore. It must have been something of a Bigfoot mania in the early through mid 70s because you have this movie in 77. You have The Creature of Black Lake in 1976. You have something called of Bigfoot, a, some type of pseudo documentary in 77. You have Mysterious Monsters, which is kind of like a cryptid documentary in 76. You have The Curse of Bigfoot in 1978, a made-for-TV horror film. You have a Sid and Marty Croft show called um, Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Close Encounters has... Yeah, Close Encounters has a reference to Bigfoot. Of course, you have Chewbacca in Star Wars, who's a Bigfoot. There's a... Bigfoot appears in three episodes of The Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman. Nice. One is a two-parter, and one is separate, where there's a, ultimately a bionic Bigfoot. Here's the fun part. Um, Wait a minute. Snoopy's you're a- saying you're saying a bionic Bigfoot is not the fun part of your diatribe? No, this is <laughs> this is this is the interesting part. Uh, in search of, uh, of course, yes. you must have loved In Search of the, uh, the original yeah. with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, great show. And as as a kid, it was just like, oh my god! I was, it, it's just perfect age to to just hit the, the naivete, naivete yeah. of all all that you know, Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot, the Yeti, and things like that. 
Um, the Snow Beast premiered on CBS April 28th, 1977. Season one, episode five of In Search of was In Search of Bigfoot. Premiered April 28th, 1977. No kidding. No kidding. And around my neck, so big, uh, In Search of was syndicated. So I suppose it could play at any time, but in my neck of the woods, it was always a seventh. Mm-hmm. And I was there. Bigfoot was awesome, awesome. and they kept the channel on. And Snowbees came on right yeah. after. And it was just like it was like an early nice. Christmas for him. Isn't that a isn't that a terrific heaven coincidence? What a coincidence! That is and, fantastic. And I have no idea what was going on then. If this was all just part of cover-ups and conspiracies and things like that but in the, i think there was um the legend of boggy boggy creek 2 was in the 70s there was something going on there was there was a whole bunch of bigfoot stuff going on um i don't remember all of it i've got some i've got some minor trivia about the releases and all of this so um the day that um the car came out may 13th 1977 Howard Stern began broadcasting at WRNW in Briarcliff Manor, New York, just down the street. Excellent. Yeah, I'm not a Howard Stern fan, but um, obviously a, uh, someone very influential and, and famous. Um, as an alternative to watching the car on its release, you could have watched the ABC TV movie, The San Pedro Bums, which is a <laughs> baseball. <laughs> no, sadly. It was a pilot for a sitcom about five guys living together in a leaky boat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, NBC, uh, April 28th, uh, uh, this uh, seat, this, uh, what was just kind of on, this movie was followed by Streets of San Francisco. Um, Michael Douglas uh, um, movie. And um, there was a, Barney Miller um, episode on an hour-long Barney Miller special, I guess, going on. Um, the skis. Was about Bigfoot? Probably. It's got to be. The skis, by the way, I don't know if you noticed that they were Hexel. Yes. H-E-X-C-E-L, yeah. which no longer makes skis, but continues to make the composite material that skis are made of. They haven't made skis for years. Yeah, in a long, long, long time. Um, April 28th is uh, both, this is very interesting, it's the it happens to be the birthday of both James Madison and Saddam Hussein. <laughs> I always, I always, I always confuse pa- those two. I always pair those two for some reason. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Um, top ten uh, grossing movies, nineteen seventy-seven. Can you name just a handful of them? Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, I gotta start. Star Wars is Star Wars number one. Is is kind of kind of easy that's yeah. that's kind of an easy um 77 uh annie hall probably did pretty well smoking the bandit probably 11. did pretty annie, well annie hall number 11 oh really Smo- smoking the bandit number four i know they did the i think it was a bridge too far that year bridge too far yes it was number seven i think eight uh let's see 77 not the snow beasts said was um why am I thinking? Was um, 
Close Encounters, 77 or 78? Close Encounters, number two. Steven Spielberg. Close wow. Encounters, number two. And that's... Uh, oh, wait, wait. Um, our old... I think Capricorn won, which I'm sure... <laughs> not in the top. Not on, my, not on my list. Was Capricorn 177? Yes, it was 77. Okay. Yes, yeah. Capricorn won. No, and not I on my don't... list really think i i'm sure the car was big not big, big one for the year number three saturday night fever was 1977 that was 77 yeah yeah this was a this was a night this was you know when you when i saw this list i said yes definitely full of so we had star wars close encounters saturday night fever those were the big three i think right there is is a hell hell of a year money yeah. wise oh yeah no ridiculous smoking the bandit was number four number five the Goodbye Girl, Richard Dreyfus yeah. and uh, actress. Oh, God, her name just uh, Sandy, not Sandy Dennis. It was uh, shoot. Anyway, I know, I know who you're talking. You know who I'm uh, talking about. Great, great God, movie. Dreyfus was in two of the top five. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, uh, and uh, number six was a movie called In Search of Noah's Ark, which I was going to look into. I didn't have time to. Interesting. Remember, there was a whole. There at some point, there was a whole. Yes. We know where Noah's Ark is. Let's go there was pick a it up and big revival. And I'm wondering. I bet it was on in search of as well. Probably. Uh, oh God, George Burns. Oh George Burns. Yep. The Deep. Action oh, yeah. thriller, right? Jacqueline Bassett. Yeah. Yeah. The Spy Who Loved Me, number ten. Okay. And then other other noticeable ones in the top forty, I'll say. Uh, High Anxiety, Mel Brooks movie. One of my favorite is homage to Hitchcock. Um, For the Love of Benji. Yeah. Orca. Oh, talk about a Jaws ripoff. Wizards. The backsheet. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. The backsheet. <laughs> yeah. You guys talked about that. Yeah. And then uh, one of the most iconic um, filmmakers of our age, um, his first movie, Eraserhead. Was also released in seventy-seven. Oh, what's um, what's his name? David um, Lynch. David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never saw Racerhead. This looks so freaky. It is. What is was freaky. Suspiria seventy-seven? Uh, could be. I don't know. I, I I didn't do an exhaustive search. I didn't didn't have the energy or the time. But the the a couple of things about seventy interesting here. Um, both Apple Computer Incorporated and Oracle Corporation were formed in nineteen seventy-seven. Okay. All right. So beginning of uh, beginning of the computer age in 19, 1977. Beginning of the modern computer age in 1977. Yeah. Reggie Jackson hit three home runs. Reggie Jackson hit three One World yeah. Series game. Yes, that's right. Yeah. As the Yankees went on to beat the Dodgers four games to two. Yes. Um, uh, the, uh, the last execution by guillotine occurred in France in 1977. Or the last execution by guillotine in France happened in 1977. But then that was the director of Snow Beast. Could be. The last guillotine execution was 77? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I'm surprised France followed the death penalty in 77. Yeah. yeah. And B, that... Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Couple of other other interesting. It, it seems like that this this was the year that the space shuttle was getting ready to go. So there's a there was a lot going on with you know 
a lot of space shuttle news, you know, it was, it was done. It got transported. You may remember it got put on top of a 747 to get flown to Cape Canaveral. Um, all sorts of interesting testing done. Um, and also lots of sex pistols in the news, the British punk band. Um, probably because it was around the time of the Silver Jubilee as well as the year they produced their version of God Save the Queen. Um, very, very controversial. Um, it was um, the year of the Johnstown, Pennsylvania flood. And also the year that New York City had a 25-hour blackout. Oh, which yes. Which was all yes. the news. The, the blackout, absolutely. Yeah. Was that the summer of uh, Son of Sam as well? Uh, could, could be. Could be. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, Tenerife, plane crash. Tragic 2747s collide. Terrible, terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, and also um, the last episode of Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. That was that year. It was 1977. 77. And the first year, uh, you know, the premieres for Three's Company and Love Boat. Talk about kind of end of an era and new age of television kind of lining up quite nicely. I, I was kind of <coughs> intrigued yeah. me a bit how that how that worked. Well, I was thinking, um, so I really like this ski lodge idea. And I was I was kind of wondering why they didn't come up with a Colorado or a Rocky Colorado Rocky Mountain Ski Lodge. Mm-hmm. So you have the the um, patrons yep. coming there on their maybe their honeymoon, their anniversary, they're about to get divorced, a love boat in the mountains type of thing where you got the employees, you got the skiers, you could get maybe some uh, athletic competitions going. Maybe in the summer they do it like they do in Lake Placid and it's equestrian stuff and have an hour-long kind of soap opera centered on a ski lodge. To me, uh, I think that would have been awesome in 1977-78. Would have been like kind of fit the bill for for something something like that. Absolutely. Or a super train. Well, a super train was <laughs> um, a nuclear powered train that ran on two tracks but yeah i i I was kind of trying to think you you might even be able to do it it's kind of interesting nighttime soap opera setting yeah especially if it was a a unique a unique facility and if it was filmed on location not sure if it worked today but it certainly seems something like because they do i think that skiing was they do something like hotel did they try something like that? Maybe even James Brolin was in it. Uh, did they try to do a show about a hotel that was similar, cold hotel? Could be. But back I, in think the that, 80s. I think that I think that skiing back in the seventies wasn't as glamorous as it is today. Skiing's glamorous. Yeah, I mean it's it's very expensive. You know, people spend a lot of you know they got their houses in Aspen, right? All that, but it, it's this kind of you know. I think it's always been that. I always think there's think been so? the high end. Well, I think always think there's been the high end skiing and this the regular everyday people skiing. Because I remember when I was a kid going skiing and how sure. ridiculously inexpensive it was. Well, you were probably to going to like where Bel Air. Yeah, but I mean it's yeah. still. But I, but nowadays when you go to those places, it's still ridiculously well, not ridiculous. I'm not going to say ridiculously expensive because I don't know the operating cost, but it's much it's, more expensive than. Yeah, but if you go to places like now, there's Rocky Mountain skiing, which I've never done, but 
for a day pass, um, or even night skiing at, in the Berkshires, the white mountains or green mountains, it's not crazy. Is that right? Especially if you buy like a like a pass. Uh, yeah. Once a week for five. No, it's it's affordable. I can't affordable. remember where the last place I went skiing was. I think it might have been actually might have been Whiteface. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, many I mean, years ago. What'll kill you is trying to grab a like a cup of coffee and a sandwich for for eighteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, eighteen. Yeah. yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Yeah. But I, I just think that would have been a neat setting that I would as you a could, kid I would have watched. You could do it. You'd have you'd have some you'd have some you know you you know potentially have some interesting stuff going on because you know the weather in the mountain gives you the opportunity for the occasional avalanche and blizzard. And, yeah, right. Well, you got to rescue this person, but yeah. oh, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, yeah. Gar Seberg showing up for yeah. to sign autographs and yeah. take over the ski of- school. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would watch that if if there was a seventy sh- seventy seven to seventy nine ski lodge, the hour long drama. I would watch that on YouTube like today. I would say you're a better man than I, but I wouldn't yeah. consider that being a better man than I. <laughs> yeah, I just think like Hal Holbrook could run it. He'd be the executive executive director. And you get just all those TV guys. <laughs> Kathleen Lloyd would be in it. <laughs> would Lee Would Lee Majors be in it? I'm not watching it. No, Gil Gerard or Lee Majors is in it. One Gil of those Gerard would be in it. <laughs> but I think our friend from the car, Kathleen Lloyd, she'd be in it. She'd be like she'd the be accountant. Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, I'm I'm done. To, these are you know what for all the criticisms, they're they're fun, campy things to watch. Oh yeah, Lo- no, love them for that for that reason. There's the and for you and me as well. I think there's the nostalgia piece to it. It, it it brings back so many so many interesting memories and particularly with with snow beast that whole we didn't talk about this the whole concern about the environment in the 70s and how the chemicals we were putting into the mm-hmm. into the um into the earth was going to you know give us killer giant rabbits and giant killer insects and giant killer this and giant killer that because there were tons of movies back i don't know if you remember but tons Prophecy, of movies back in the yeah day of the animals food I, of the gods yeah all those that's movies. and that's really why i kind of think the scene where the know-it-all scientists or somebody explains something going on 10 miles away clear i whatever has probably driven this thing out of its out of its um, kind of zone, and now it's looking for food. You know, my final comment on both of these movies is that the car, particularly, I would like, I would love to somebody serious remake it as a as a horror movie, and um, you know, really try to work with it because I think there was enough to its core that you could do something with. And I think with Snow Beast, I know it was remade in 2011, I think. But with Snow Beast, I think you could you could pick up on all that stuff and make right and, and kind of make it a more interesting um, movie. And I would I would too many good movies are remade. So let's start remaking some bad ones and make them into good ones. And I think yeah. these two are I think these are these are two that would be susceptible of it. The car. The question I have about the car is. And like again, I don't need to know. The answer, I'll give you the mystical book that gives you all the answers. That why? Gives the last them to you. Why did it leave? Didn't leave. It got buried by rocks. No, it shows up in L.A. In the final credits, it's driving through L.A. 
Is it really? Why? How did yes. I not? Oh, did I you... didn't. I didn't watch the final. Yes, no, you're oh. right. I did not watch the final credits. Oh, well, then clearly, yes, there it is. It's, it's also uh, it's things about the car. Like, yeah. like, why did it not just get even more pissed off and keep running people down? Because I, well, why I didn't know. it just run over? Why did it run over James Brolin in the garage? I mean, it, just, it just threatened him a whole bunch. <laughs> well, it's not. A, it's not. It shouldn't really be that efficient a killing a machine, given. It, it, it's it's not the most dexterous of machines. No, you know, because but it, it clearly it, had plenty of opportunities to kill Roland, and it didn't. But Roland just has to like stay on the side of the car, uh, with w- without reach of the of the door, mm. and he'd be fine. So I'm not I'm not buying it. Or the second floor is a safe place to be with the car, but not the Yeti. And Snow Beast is clearly a better bang for your buck because it's it was free on YouTube, and. A couple buy, of the streaming services. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pay three ninety nine for the car. Yeah, they're both they're both good good fun. Yes, both 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 a, a lot of fun. All right, man, that was that was good. Uh, this is why we did it in one fell swoop because I think they're the same movie in, in basically. Yes, in, in, in summary in, described. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. I will talk to you later. Sounds good. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.